step on up, sit down, twist off that bottle top, or crack open that can. And welcome to Porch Matters. This is Terry Cagle coming to you from my back porch. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, the name of this show is Authentic. On Porch Matters, our saying is this, big issues or just a friendly conversation, no topic is off limits. We take pride in being able to talk about anything with each other in an open discussion. Open discussion is one of the only ways to learn. Your perspective could be changed. You could change the perspective of others. If this is your first time listening to this show, welcome to The Porch. If you're a regular listener, you're family, and it's good to have you back. Thank you for listening on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and if you like what you hear, hit that subscribe or follow button and download the episodes in our archives. Please share your favorite episodes with your friends and family on social media or text message. There are a lot of people walking around this world that have never heard of a podcast. Please do what you can to help the show grow, and I promise to do what I can to make the show bigger and better. On this episode, I am joined on the porch with James Phillips. He runs a local newspaper called the Daily Mountain Eagle in Walker County. We talk about his journey in the newspaper business and how he got to where he's at today. He is also the promoter for New Era Wrestling here in Alabama. You can find it on social media and YouTube by typing in New Era Wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow New Era Wrestling on social media and tell them Porch Matters sent you in the comments. We also talk about his journey in it, how he got started and what they got coming up. Without further ado, let's get started. James Phillips, welcome to the porch, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, Terry. Thanks for inviting me to come hang out on the porch. I'm glad the weather's a whole lot better than what it has been, brother, because it's been yeah, it a little bit cold out here. It's a good thing we had to uh, skip last weekend. Right. <laughs> I, I was already bundled up, man. I I don't wear layers that often. I'm very hot natured. So anytime yeah. you see me pull out a coat, it's cold. Fat right. boy got cold this week. I'm telling you. <laughs> Mississippi freezing up actually messed us up at work a little bit. Well, yeah, so. and I, I just went to the grocery store a little bit ago and uh, Texas and Mississippi being froze up seems to have hurt everybody because there wasn't hardly any groceries at, at Aldi. Yeah. 55 was shut down. 20 was shut down. 59's been shut down, so, you know, we haul several loads and everything for Nissan down there in Canton, so, yeah, we're behind. (laughs) How you been, man? How's life been treating you? It's been a long time since me and you've actually sat down and had a conversation. We hadn't talked to each other in a while. I've been back in Jasper for about five years. Uh, We lived in Mississippi for a little while, and uh, moving back here, took over the Eagle back in uh, 2016. And, uh, you know, just busy with, with work, having a full-time job running a newspaper and then five kids, uh, there's not a whole lot of time for extra stuff, you know? No, not really. How did you get into the newspaper business after all? My whole life, like from the time I was in about the fifth grade, um, I wanted to be a lawyer and I could uh, see that about you. I like to argue, you know, it's like and so uh i was in the gifted program uh in the county schools and and i did a mentorship uh with an attorney in jasper my i guess it was my 
junior and senior years of high school. And I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer after going through that. It was just too much, you know, too much school, too much. I like the courtroom stuff, but all the stuff before that kind of boring, you know? And so, uh, I ended up taking a scholarship. I had offers at Tulane and Birmingham Southern. I had kind of partial scholarships and then I had a full ride at Bevel and I'd fallen in love with, with Andrea, you know her, and she's, she's been my wife now for almost 22 years. Um, shout out so to I'm, you, Andrea, by the way, if you're listening. <laughs> and so, um, I decided to stick around. I went to Bevel for two years. My first day at Bevel, a guy asked me, he said, uh, his name is Brian Kennedy. He said, uh, what do you think you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I was going to be a lawyer my whole life. And he said, well, what do you like? And I said, well, you know, I love sports and I love to rock. And so he said, I got a buddy that works at the Mountain Eagle. You need to go talk to him. I walked in and I started covering football games and the rest is history. I've been there. I've worked there three times now over 25 years. And uh, the last time I left when we went to Mississippi, I said, I'm not coming back unless I can take the place over. So <laughs> that's what I did when I came back. I know you was very instrumental in my high school career. Yeah, that's some of my uh, early days. You were, man, you were a, a beast at Summerton Christian. Well, thank and, you. Uh, thank you. Uh, that, was, that was some fun teams to watch with Josh Russell throwing the ball around. That was, that was a good time. It was. And I, I don't think I ever really gave you the thank you that you deserved for helping, <laughs> helping me out as much as you did. I, I always tried to give you as many hugs as I could. That's right. That's right. Well, and you know, people probably don't know, we go back a long, long ways with, um, Andrea, uh, her brother played football and, and grew up with you and, and your cousin. And you know. so, uh, and y'all uh, went to school I, with my older cousin, Wendy, right? Right. who, so who I, is probably listening to this. So if you've got you got any right? real good dirt, real good stories that you can share that'll embarrass her or Ooh. get, or get both of us hit, that'd be great. Yeah, I don't want to get hit. I, I'm on, and probably half those stories would incriminate Andrea too, and she'd hit me. So. More than likely, more than likely. <laughs> I, don't want to say, I don't want to say too much on that that end. <laughs> Didn't you start out right on the sports page? Isn't that I what did, you yeah. started out? Yeah, I was a sports writer for about um, five or six years before I just kind of I bounced around at different things, different papers. Um, and I really like the sports aspect of it because I've always played ball growing up. And, and you know, I mean, I, I sit around now, if there's a ball game on, I'm watching it. And uh, it was really cool. I got to do some neat things as far as, like, cover Alabama and Auburn football, um, cover the Braves. I got to meet Cal Ripken at a Braves game one time. That's one of the coolest things, I've, you know. How was uh, that? And then, oh, he was awesome, you know. I just And I asked him about his record, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And all he told me, he was uh, – he said, man, I just go to work and that's all, you know, and that's something I think everybody could look at. That's a hardworking person. Um, you know, we just go to work every day and we get it done. And that's, that's the way he looked at it. He was such a, just a, like a common man type personality to be bigger than life, you know? Um, and you know, I've hardly ever met a jerk in any of the, the sports stuff that I've covered. Uh, now, you know, politics might be a little different, but, um, no. but sports everybody's usually pretty nice <laughs> yeah there's a lot of jerks in politics <laughs> right. oh uh, it i was i'm glad to hear that he was you know cool and 
calm and everything. Cause yeah, he was there, really cool. I've got a small experience with a, with a pro, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I, I used to pitch back before I got muscle bound and real huge. Right. And right. You know, my hero was Nolan Ryan. And my mother right. worked at a job where she had to travel over toward Dallas area and everything. And she met a guy who knew, who knew Nolan Ryan and asked him to get an autograph. She come in with it. I've still got it in here and it had yeah. my name on it. And I was just, to use a wrestling term, I marked out a little bit because my hero signed me an autograph, you know, but then I found out that he was, right. he was just, can't put it any other way. He was just a dick. So it kind of ruined it for me. <laughs> you know, what now, I will tell you the only, the only one that really was that way to me was Greg Maddox. Really? He didn't, he didn't like to talk. Yeah. He didn't like to talk to the press. He was just kind of, he wanted to be left alone. Um, yeah. and he was kind of like that. Just real standoffish, you know? I, I, I guess I could understand that a little bit, but at the same time, it's kind of part of your job. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you're, you're not only like, a, if I, I can't walk around Jasper and be a jerk to everybody as the publisher of the paper. Yeah. Not at um, all. That's how I look at it with, with athletes and stuff. They, that's a part of it. You know, you got fans and you got, if those people weren't coming to your games and watching the games on TV, you no. don't have a job. No, not at all. Getting back to the newspaper part, what what goes into writing an article? Does it just depend on what you're covering, or is it all still basically the same steps? Well, you know, like everybody has a different uh, style of writing, and everybody goes into it different ways. I guess um, I'm still an old sports writer at heart. Like I had a, I got a new guy that I'd hired last year, and he'd never covered like a city council meeting before but he's always covered football games. And I told him the other day, we were talking about, and I said, listen, go into a city council meeting. Like it's a football game. I said, you just watch it. You pick out the highlight, whatever's the biggest play of the day. You write on that. You put a couple quotes on that and then everything else, you just hit the highlights, you know? Right. Um, and, and to me, you know, I, I like, I like people stories. I like to write about the people of our community and stuff. And, um, I, I'm not the type of person that like writes out questions and stuff. I don't really, unless it's something huge, I don't prepare going into it. And, uh, I like to just have a conversation with people. And usually that's when they'll open up, you know, like if you're just sitting there and talking and shooting the bull with them and you tell them parts of your life, you know, it just kind of gets people opened up and they're willing to talk to you. And that's where you get those really good stories at. Right. What's the difference between whenever you're writing an article or say an editorial? Well, I can get a little heat on my editorial sometimes um, because, you know, it's not always, I don't ever write anything hoping to tick somebody off for sure. Um, I don't think that's the right way to go into it, but also I don't write something just to please people's ears either when it's an editorial or a column. Um, I think it's gotta be your, you know, it's your own personal opinion and beliefs. And I feel like as long as you're real with that, um, and you're not trying to just tick people off that people can respond to that without getting, um, uh, too upset. You know, um, I try to stay away, especially the older I get, I really try to stay away from political stuff just because nobody's going to change anybody's mind. I got my beliefs and they got their beliefs. Uh, so I try to tell a lot of stories about like my family and kids and things like that. And then 
um, for something more editorial, like real editorial, I try to hit on local things. Like, um, I just did one last week on parishes is trying to get more, a bigger dog ordinance, you know, more bite in their dog ordinance and, and things like that. That I mean, nobody can complain about that, you know? <laughs> right. You know, we, on this show, we've covered two or three political hot topics because it was the elephant in the room and you couldn't avoid it. But and, right, right, and there's times you have to do that, you know. Yeah, but you know, even still, if you if I look at our numbers and everything, those are some of the lowest rated ones because nobody wants to hear any of that, especially with the way COVID, right. especially with the way COVID is right now, and the way oh, yeah. the way the last political cycle was drained in. It's changed over into right. this one. Everything is political because nobody can do anything else. And right, right. Well, and you know, yeah. the thing, and I don't mind talking politics if we've lost this ability, um, I think across the whole country to be able to disagree with each other and still have a conversation, you know, like you were preaching to the choir here, brother. Yeah. Our disagreement shouldn't tear us apart. It ought to be something that brings us closer together, uh, because we should just kind of understand one another, but you know, that's not if right now, if you're not exactly like me, man, I got to hate you. You know, it's like Alabama and Auburn football almost. And uh, I don't think that's the way the founding fathers meant it. No. I mean, it's just like I, I listen to Michael Savage a lot. And he can't, and he said yeah. this phrase, and, it's, and I've said it on the show before. It's very simple, but it's very deep as well. A bird can't yeah. fly straight without a left wing and a right wing. Right. Exactly. It's okay for me to have my thoughts. It's okay for you to have your thoughts. That's how discussions come about. You share yours. I share mine. You might be able to change my perspective. I might be able to change your perspective. But there's not, in those those instances, there's not a right. There's not a wrong. It's opinion is all it is. Right. Right. I agree 100%. I mean, it, it seems like the art of discussion, like you were saying, it's, it's almost a lost art now. And I I don't understand why people would get hot about your editorials. Right. Well, and then you look at, look at what they see on television from whether it's the 24 hour news cycle and everybody's always yelling at each other. Or even if you just look at, like you talked about being able to debate with each other, look at the debates we had to watch this time. That wasn't a debate. That was just people arguing, you know, um, it was embarrassing for our, for the entire country, you know, it was, I wasn't happy to watch it. I don't even, I didn't even watch it because I knew what kind of, a, right. I knew what I was getting into. So I just, I watch wrestling for that, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you said earlier, you know, I, I remember whenever you left and went to Mississippi, Tell me about that experience because you just you picked up everything and moved to Mississippi. What was the difference in living in Alabama versus Mississippi? What was the what was the culture well, like over there? What was the what was the job basically? It was it was pretty similar. I'll tell you the reason that I left. I had applied for the publisher's job at the Eagle when uh, a longtime publisher, uh, Mr. Wasman, retired. Went through the interview process, came down to me and one other guy. They hired a guy from from Kentucky to come in. And uh, I worked for him for about a year, but I really 
my dream job has been to run the Mountain Eagle since the time I got started. That's that's all I've wanted to do. Right. And so I I looked at it as I've got to get away from here because I've always kind of been here and I needed to go make a mark somewhere else where nobody knew me, you know, because here it's always, well, James, he's from here. We know him. And so I, I wanted to show that I could go somewhere else. And I, I mean, I absolutely went to the middle of nowhere in Mississippi. It's called Kosciuszko. Nobody's ever heard of it. Um, Oprah Winfrey's from there. That's the only thing anybody knows. She was really? born there. Yeah. I didn't um, know that. Didn't but, know that. you know, I, we didn't know a soul. And, uh, and so moved over there and that paper had not made a profit in about 10 years. Really? Um, the, the community didn't like it anymore. I mean, it was, if there was a bad situation you could walk into, this was a bad one. And I told, uh, Andrea, I said, if I can come here and I can turn this paper around, I can turn a paper around anywhere in this country. And so that's what we did. We went in, we knew, we knew the plan was to go in be active in the community, show people that we cared about the place, uh, showed them that we're covering things cause that, they weren't doing that before. And it took me about eight months to make a profit. And from there we just soared. We won all kinds of awards every year. We were named the best paper in Mississippi. Um, and so I thought I'd be there probably a good five, at least five years. It ended up being a little over three. And uh, the Mountain Eagle had a change and called me, wanting to know if I was interested to come back and take it over. And so uh, it's kind of like uh, Bear Bryant when he talked about mama calling. Um, you know, that's the way I looked at it. That was that was mama calling. I had to come on home uh, for a bunch of different reasons, but uh, it was it was the right move to leave, and it was the right move to come back. So I, you know, I I've been blessed there um, to just kind of get lucky. I think sometimes. What changed whenever you whenever you came back, other than your job title versus the way it was whenever you left? You know, it was pretty much the same. That that the the publisher was here before. He wasn't from our community, so um, it it had lost some of its just uh, real community ties, and uh, I feel like we kind of lost our way a little bit. And so that's what when I came in the door, I preached: we're going to be local, local, local. You know, if it's a big turnip picture, we're going to put a big turnip picture in the paper. Just anything that anybody would want to see from here, because that's what we can offer people. Nobody else can do that. Like, if they want to see politics, they can see that on their phone immediately. If they want to see sports, like, you know, national sports stories and things like that, they can look at that on their phone as it's going on. But nobody else can give them Walker County news and Walker County sports, except for us. And so that was what we needed to focus on. And we have, and we've made a lot of different changes. We've gone more digital for things. Uh, we do a lot of video, uh, our sports season, like during football season, um, it's wild. Now we do like a full blown game day show, you know, um, and then do a wrap up show the night after the games, just like sideline on, on Fox six, you know, um, so we've really, we've marketed that to call it prep zone, DME prep zone. And so everything we do with high school sports is, is branded. And I just think that's the way to do things. Um, we, uh, we've cut back our print days. Now we're only three days a week, but that was all done because we really have two audiences. We have the older generation that all they'll ever do is pick up a paper. 
And then we have a younger generation that's my age and, and younger that they'll never pick up a paper. They're going to look at all that information on their phone or their computer. And so we've got to be able to spread ourselves to be able to reach both of those. And so that's kind of what three day week has done. You got to be able to evolve because it seems like the digital age is, is making the print obsolete. Right. right. And nobody, I, nobody our age is picking up a newspaper anymore. No, they're not. Unless it's, you know, scrapbooking or something. That's, that's it. And you know, the key with getting the print out there is that all the print needs to be completely local. And then on our online stuff, we'll throw AP stories on there and things like that because we don't have any, um, you know, there's, there's no limits to what you can put online. Right. Anything that draws traffic. That's right. And you know, people, we have some of the most awful comments on Facebook on our stories and stuff that we'll put on there. Never about local, but anything national, especially during the political season. I mean, they will just call each other, whatever name they want to. And they'll, they'll fuss at us and say that we're putting it out there, but they're reading, you know, I've seen a, I've seen a few of those comment threads. It almost looks like Jerry Springer. It does. You know, (laughs) But it's like I told my, I hired a digital guy uh, about a year ago just to strictly do digital stuff and social media. And I told him, I said, I don't care what they say. It's those people are going to get that information somewhere. So we might as well have it on our website and then go into some national site to get it, you know, and put it on our Facebook page. And the more they argue and complain about it, that's driving more people to our page. You know, it is. You mentioned earlier how you was doing prep shows and post and post shows and everything for local stuff. Is all right. of that on your website as well? It's all either on our website or um, you know, like we've moved in just like everybody else. We have a Daily Mountain Eagle YouTube page, uh, and so we put all of our YouTube videos on there. And we do we do like some some talking politics type things when when guys are coming in through town. We try to talk to all of them. Um, we also uh, we do once a year. This is my my little baby project. We've done the last two years a, a Christmas special. And when I first told my people we were going to do a Christmas special, they had no idea what I was talking about. But it's like Sonny and Cher or, you know, Saturday Night Live Christmas special. We do skits and we have musical performances. And we've done that two years in a row and people just like loved it. Our, our uh, views have been through the roof. You're not, you're not dressing up like Cher singing, I got you, babe, are you? No, but I did dress up like, I, I dressed up like Buddy the Elf uh, <laughs> uh, and got, a, I got arrested twice and I was Buddy the Elf. So. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the link so you can see uh, Nick Smith and TJ Armstrong have arrested me two years in a row. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> What is the most interesting story that you ever wrote? Oh, man. Um, there's been a lot of them. I'll tell you the one that, that sticks with me uh, more than any of them, and it was early on in my career. Well, I'll tell you two different ones. The first one was early in my career as a sports writer, and you know you know the guy well, Adam Wells. And he was fighting for his life uh, with a heart transplant and things like that, and all the football players at Dora had really rallied around him. And I went to his uh, hospital room after he had had a heart transplant, took pictures of him. Steve and Andrea's brother was there. Uh, they were, you know, best buddies. And, yeah. uh, and that story, I think it was just cause it was so personal. I knew the kid and I, I, he was such a good person. 
Um, I think mm. I just did a really good job on that story. And it ended up being named the story of the year by the Associated Press in Alabama that year. And so that sticks with me. Other than few elderly people that I know, I can't think of anybody that I have come across that had a bigger heart and, right. than Adam. Yeah. Uh, he, whenever he was going through all that stuff, I had already transferred to something to Christian, but he right. was what, he was a real good friend to me. And then yeah. in the two years that I knew him, we played ball. And he together. was, he was just a, a good, and he came from a good family. His mother yes. and brother, both sweet people. God, uh, yes. So uh, that's the story that, I mean, that's 20 something years ago and it, it yeah. still sticks. Yeah, um, I, I still think about him every once in a while. You know, I've got one picture of us together and it was me and him and Steven. And I'm trying to remember who else it was, but. Uh, it was probably it some goofy, goofy person was, like Mikey Hill or somebody. I th- it probably was. I think it was, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, and then the uh, the other story that really sticks out to me is is when I was in Mississippi, um, there was this family that had feuded, two two different families. They were like the Hatfields and the McCoys of, of that area of Mississippi. Really? And back in the 1800s, what started the feud was one of them's great-great-great-great-grandpa shot the other one's great 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 grandpa on the courthouse steps killed him dead right there on the courthouse you know what was the reason you know now i wish you hadn't asked me that because now i don't even know what the reason was it was it was some nefarious thing for sure i know both of them were kind of outlaws and so from that point on these two families hated each other and there was one um one member of one of the families that still lived in Kosciuszko, it would it really would have been like his five times great grandfather. And then there was another guy that lived, used to be from there, but he lived in Virginia now. And he was coming to town for a, um, like a back in time thing where everybody was talking about the old days and stuff. And I mentioned to my, uh, I had an 80 year old reporter, which is weird, but she was awesome. And I mentioned to her, I said, what do you think if I got those two guys together in a room and let's do a little story about that feud? And she said, no, James, you don't need to do that. They'll fight each other, even though they're old. And I said, I said, come on. Her name was Miss Nancy. And I said, come on, Miss Nancy. These two, these two guys, and I'm telling you, they're old. They were, this was five or six years ago. They they were 75, 80 then. And so uh, I end up, I, I don't take her advice. That's the only time I didn't take her advice there. I, I called the two men. I said, hey, why don't we get together for coffee or something? There was a little restaurant next door to my office there. And both of them agreed to do it. And we sat in there and talked. And they buried the hatchet. The two of them cried and hugged each other. And uh, we got a picture of them on the courthouse square where the shooting had happened, you know. And, and ended a 100-year-old family feud right there with a story in the newspaper. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever been a part of. That's awesome. And both men, they just thanked me, you know, so much that they were able to get that off their chest and, and move on from it. And they, they became really good friends and talked to each other almost every day. Was that the only killing that happened inside the family or did they do like the Hatfields and McCoys and try to kill off one another? I believe that was the only killing, but there'd been many, many threats of death after that. So, a, and they wouldn't ever marry each other. That's for sure. God, it's amazing how long people can hold a grudge. 
<laughs> right. Well, speaking of cool things, I hear somebody is in the wrestling business. Yeah. I um now you you've known me forever. Like we've I have. Well, we've even went to wrestling together if my memory yeah, is I think we have. And the the one thing that people have always known me for is that I'm the biggest I would say I'm the biggest wrestling fan just about anybody knows, you know. Um and uh and the only thing that I would want to do other than be the publisher of the Daily Mountain Eagle is to be have Vince McMahon's job, you know. And so about three years ago now, I had a, a friend call me and he said, Hey, uh, I know you've always wanted to get in the wrestling business. Would you, would you consider doing something like that locally? And I, I said, well, yeah, I'm sure I would. And, um, he said, well, this, this company is available and, uh, I think you'd be perfect to, to do it. And so, uh, I couldn't turn that down. I was like, I gotta give it a shot and see, if, see what I could have done if I was really working for WWE or something, you know? Right. And uh, so I started out, uh, we started out in Paris at Paris high school. We, we renamed the company new era wrestling. Um, and ever since then we've gone strong for three years now, we've survived COVID somehow. Um, our biggest crowd ever was probably last March, right before, right as COVID was hitting. Um, we had a, our anniversary show at Bevel States gym and we had Scott Steiner there. Um, you had big Papa pump. Big Papa Pump was there. Uh, the you know you remember he had a heart attack last year. I do. This was two weeks after his heart attack. We were his first show that he did after that. Really? He, he couldn't wrestle because of it, but he walked out to the ring with a tag team and he hit a couple people with a chair. So, uh, but he uh, we had about five hundred people in the Bevel State Gym for that show. Um, That's a good crowd. We, That's a good crowd for that building. Oh yeah, yeah, and then. We've done most of our shows have been at Swan Gym right now. We can't rent it because of COVID. Uh, but we had about 400 people a couple of times when we had Rhino uh, and Tommy Dreamer at shows. Nice. Uh, and those were really good. And then, but the the thing that I've loved is that now people come, they don't care if we've got a big name like that's been on WWE. They come to see our guys and, and we bring in. I would say the wrestlers that we bring in are right at that level of getting signed. And so they need, they need a good show and they need to be wrestling good opponents to try to get signed by somebody. And so we bring people in from every show, people from Georgia, Florida, uh, like as far away as Miami and Florida. Um, we bring people from Tennessee, from Kentucky. Uh, we, we've flown people in from California a couple of times. So it's a, I mean, it's a major deal. We're not just doing, wrestling like we used to see show up at door high school you know um this is this is big time uh and and i i've just loved it like they uh i was afraid the first couple shows i was real quiet because i thought you know all these guys they don't want to hear from some newspaper guy about how to how to put on a wrestling show you just and, you just said something that just baffled me you were quiet yeah i was quiet Can you oh come it? on james <laughs> <laughs> and so I was I was kind of just like watching and and sitting there thinking I'm in the middle of a wrestling business here, you know. And uh, but the guys, I think they saw the passion I had for it, and that I really did know what I was talking about when it when it came to here's how you get a crowd to really respond to you, you know, and, and things like that. And uh, so uh, they've all welcomed me in. I'm just like the I call myself the ringmaster when I've wrestled a couple times. 
because well, I feel like I'm the you, ringmaster of the circus. You wait a minute. You've been yeah. in the ring too. I've been in the ring twice now. Talk um, to me about that first bump. First bump. I actually trained for about four or five months before I got in the ring. Who trained you? Um, my my buddy Bubba Cagle. Okay. Uh, he's he's the Merritt Parish now. Okay. And, uh, and he's, he's got one heck of a last name. Yeah, he does. I knew he'd like that. Well, he did most of the training. Um, and the first match I had, well, I'll tell you about the bump. You know, you've seen training on on television where people, you stand there and you just fall backwards. Right. Well, Flat back. My, my body and my mind were not meant to do that. You know, like, <laughs> you don't just stand there and throw yourself backwards. Right. And so it took me. I was, it was the ugliest bumps you'd ever seen. And finally they said, okay, they got another guy to stand behind me and they schoolboyed me and pushed me over the guy. And then I fell and I, you know, I, I fell fine after that. But, um, that first bump and uh, the weirdest bump is if you get body slammed because there's nothing like standing straight up and then feeling your whole body go upside down and then getting slammed on a hard mat, you know? I don't, I don't know how I would take to that because I'm number one, I'm not used to leaving my feet. Number two, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> used to somebody being strong enough to actually handle my weight. Yeah. Me either. I'm not a little guy, you know? No, you're not. <laughs> um, even though I've lost weight, but I'm still not a little guy. You know? I've noticed that. You hey, I'm six, six foot one, uh, slim trim, 235 pounds now. I heard you. All right. Twisted steel and sex appeal. There you go, but <laughs> I, I got down below 400 pounds for the first time in 15 years last year. And then I fell off the wagon. I've got to get back on my, I've got to get back on my diet. You're a little bit taller than I am. Six foot seven. Yeah. Um, now I, I will say the first match that I had, uh, it was, it was really cool. I got, I got to plug my phone in. I just got a uh, notification. I'm about to die here. Well, don't uh, do that. I won't. I'll be good. Um, <laughs> but I, the first match I had was a six-man tag team match. And one of my partners was Action Mike Jackson. A, le- a legend around here. <laughs> Absolute legend around here. He uh, And he was the coolest guy. He, he didn't treat me like I didn't know what I was doing or anything. You know, he, uh, he acted like I was a professional, and, and I appreciated that. You know, he's 70 years old now, and he's still wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was teamed with him and a buddy of mine from California named Dave Dutra. Um, he's been on AEW a couple times on their dark show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we teamed against the local team of the, the Brawlers, who kind of look like the Brooklyn Brawler, and uh, another guy out of Georgia named uh, Shane Knowles. And they had really been a thorn in the side of uh, – Mike Jackson and me for a few months and, uh, we came out on the winning end. I hit a, my finisher moves, a stunner and I hit the stunner on them and, and got the pinfall. Is it the Orville stunner? Oh yeah. It's the Orville stunner. Uh, and it's a pretty right. stunner too. I'm telling you. One, two, three, right in the middle, right in the middle. Uh, gum right. And then got up and I acted like I'd won a, a freaking world championship, you know? Well, you uh, did brother. <laughs> But I mean, that's a bucket. Who can say they wrestled a match? You know, that's awesome. Um, and then my second one was last year at that show with Scott Steiner. And, uh, we actually started a riot 
um, and didn't get to finish our match because a, a fan jumped the rail and punched a, a manager. <laughs> and uh, and the match had to end there. So I'm still looking to get some uh, payback on on that. I, I didn't. I was going to do a. Uh, I had planned on a, a flying cross body. Um, and uh, didn't get to show that off. So I'm, I'm trying to get back in the ring again sometime soon. And I didn't think white heat was possible anymore. <laughs> yeah. you, you had a guy jump the guardrail to come after one of your managers. Well, wasn't a guy. It was a girl. Oh, really? Jumped the guardrail and punched another female. Uh, she was a female manager. Punched her right there in the nose. And then the manager, her husband was actually in the match against me, he left me and jumped on the outside of the ring and punched the other woman to get her off of his wife. So cops were called. Uh, it went viral. The video of it, uh, I think there was 500,000 views on it. Uh, it was a, it was a neat little thing that should have never happened because it was a dumb fan. You know? <laughs> True. But you might need to book that fan and have a grudge match. <laughs> well, the fan wouldn't have lasted five seconds with somebody um and they got out of there or they would have ended up arrested it was a woman and her and her uh dad and boyfriend and uh they got out of there quick because our locker room started to empty and it doesn't matter heel or face bad guy good guy if you start messing with somebody that's in the family uh that whole locker room is going to come out and take care of you so they were lucky they got out of there yeah they used to back in the day your baby faces. And for those of you that aren't wrestling fans and don't know what we're talking about, James, would you, if you would to explain what a baby face and what a heel is. Right. A baby face is the, is your good guy. That's, that's Hulk Hogan when he was wearing red and yellow, you know, all that. Brother. Kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, that's right, brother. And then, uh, and you know, I, I did interview him one time too. That's, that's my favorite interview I've ever done is uh, Hulk Hogan. How was he? He was awesome. He was in, he was Terry for the most of the interview, you know, and uh, he was promoting, they did a show on CMT, like it was a celebrity wrestling show. And he was promoting that. And at the very end, he said, well, brother, you got anything else? And I said, I tell you what, I'd really like for you to hulk up for me one time. And uh, he said, you want me to hulk up, brother? And I said, yeah, I want to, I want to hear why everybody in Jasper should be watching you know, celebrity wrestling with Hulk Hogan. And he just turned it on like nothing and turned it on. He was the Hulkster and he was, let me tell you this, you know, what you going to do and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, uh, that was really, that was pretty cool. But, and then, okay. So baby face is a good guy. Heel is a bad guy. And, uh, you know, everybody knows the, the heels of the old days, like, uh, the Iron Sheik and uh, Nikolai Volkov and Rowdy Rowdy Piper, all these uh, foreigners that we couldn't stand back then. You know, that was a, that was what we always talked about. That was, a, that was good days back then. No, yes. I miss Piper. I miss I didn't tell you, he was such, you know, like just, he was just good. Yeah. I mean, he was voted the best heel ever. Right. He knew how to inside a riot too. You know, back oh, in the God, day, yes. I like, you know, it was easy for people to get stabbed back in the day and things like that. Um, cause there was no, it wasn't entertainment, um, mm -hmm. back then. Uh, it was no. legit and, uh, people, it's, it's fun to watch when, when the crowd gets into it. Our crowds in Walker County are, are similar to those old school crowds. 
they get into it 100 percent and um we I, I warn our heels don't go out in the crowd because i mean you never know when somebody's got an iphone or something especially and, in walker uh, county yeah right and, and what's so funny is the crowd cares about you um and i'm i'm a good guy for sure and uh like i've gotten beat up a couple times one time i had to go to the hospital with my arm they'd hit they'd put my arm on the ring post and hit it with a chair. And so, uh, I thought I'd broken my arm and, and the next morning I had probably 10 or 15 messages from fans checking on me, see if I was okay. If I got out of the hospital, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, that means a lot, you know? And, and so they really, they, they get into those good guys and bad guys. How, explain your process. Do you, or do you write the stories? Do you do the storylines? Are you booking the talent yourself? explain Um, that process we it's a it's pretty much i do most of the storyline stuff um uh without going into too much detail some of it's you know you don't want to say that it's fake or real or that kind of stuff but there's a lot of um real life and blurred lines uh when it comes to wrestling storylines most of what people see at our shows uh if there's people that don't like each other they probably really don't like each other backstage either. And, uh, and that kind of boils over and, uh, and it makes for a, a entertainment, uh, without killing each other, you know, real stories always make the best stories. Right. Right. Uh, and so, and then booking talent, um, we, uh, I have a partner and we do that together. Uh, we look and try to find talent all over the country and, uh, and have done a good job of bringing in people. We've had, I want to say we've had at least 10 or 12 that have ended up either wrestling on NXT or on uh, AEW. And so that's been pretty neat to see. That's awesome. Well, brother, how can the folks find your show? Uh, they just need to look up on Facebook, New Era Wrestling Alabama would be the best way to do it. And then, you know, while they're liking things, they need to go to Daily Mountain Eagle on Facebook too and like that page. And they comment and say all kind of crazy stuff like the rest of them do. Absolutely. <laughs> are you do you whenever are you finding happiness and joy and everything in in what you're doing these days? Oh yeah, like you know everybody. Uh, uh, the coronavirus has, has you know tried to take us all out, and uh, to be able to do things, uh, it's, I'm not out digging ditches. You know, uh, I get to put out a newspaper every day, and it's the one thing I've always wanted to do. Uh, and then for fun on the side, I get to run a wrestling show. Uh, so I, I don't need to complain about anything. And then you add to that, um, you know, I'm a, a nerdy guy that got to fall in love with the girl of his dreams in high school and somehow been able to hold on to her again or, you know, for this long. And then I have five kids that are just incredible. Um, I, I can't. I can't complain. There's a whole lot of worse things out there going on with people uh, than anything going on in my life. I, I say this jokingly sometimes. You know, people say, how you doing? I say, oh, I'm just living the dream. But, well, but you are living the dream, brother, and I'm, I'm happy for you and I'm proud for you. I am living the dream, and you bring that up. Uh, I got my first tattoo last year. Oh, and really? I don't know if you remember my uncle, Rick Watson. I do. Uh, he passed away last year in July and he was one of the, the biggest influences on my life. He was like a second dad to me. 
and it was a it was a shocking thing when he passed away and the day after he died i called my buddy uh jeremy at uh, brothers keepers tattoo and jasper mm-hmm. and uh, went over there rick would always say anytime you ask him how you doing he would respond with living the dream and so my first tattoo it's a script that says living the dream and there's a blue butterfly next to it because rick had a butterfly tattoo on his shoulder he had gotten it back in uh when he was in the he didn't go to Vietnam, but he was in Panama during Vietnam. Him and a bunch of army buddies all got drunk one night. And they all decided they was going to get tattoos. And the next morning they woke up. Rick was the only one that ended up with a tattoo and he had a blue butterfly on his shoulder. <laughs> so uh, I know all about living the dream. And I've really, since he passed away last year, I've tried to make that my, my mantra um, every day. And I don't do it. Uh, I don't get to do it every day. Sometimes I let life beat me down a little bit but uh if we can all just remember we're living the dream that's a you know that's a, a big thing absolutely you know i i told my buddy jason akins who is a co-host on this show oh i know jason yeah i know you do <laughs> we we were talking about an episode on joy and happiness and you know something that i had heard a while back and it's still relevant the stuff that we're doing right now, the stuff that we're complaining about, this, that, and the other is the same stuff that we prayed about before. Right. right. So, you know, that was one of the reasons why I just, I see what you're doing. You seem happy. You seem full of joy and everything, you know, and that's right. really good to see. Yeah. Well, you know, it, uh, I, I think I put a lot of hard work in over the years and uh, I, I still want to work hard. Whatever I do, whether it's newspaper or, or husband, dad, wrestling, I want to be the best at it. And uh, so I, I try to put the everything I got into it. And, and I hope that shows when people hear me talk about the newspaper, I hope they, they hear that passion and they see that passion. And then the same thing with wrestling. And, and I know they do with the family stuff because I write stories all the time about them. And that's usually the stories that people comment on the most is, you know, they like to hear about the kids and, goofy stories with me and andrea um you know i sometimes i get in trouble with her i i wrote a story one time about her falling asleep during church during the prayer time and uh i thought that was going to be the end of us but she she's held on to me i've done that before (laughs) i i mean i'll admit it i I fell asleep during church as an adult a a time or two (laughs) yeah Yeah. but it it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> James, I appreciate you coming on the show. If you would, one more time, tell the folks where they can find the Daily Mountain Eagle. They can find your editorials, and they can also find you where wrestling. That's right. You can find us at mountaineagle.com or pick up a paper anywhere across Walker County. Um, and then uh, Daily Mountain Eagle Facebook page and also New Era Wrestling-Alabama. Uh, that's our wrestling Facebook page. And I will say that uh, I can't announce it tonight, but I have just signed somebody tonight before we got on the phone. I've signed a big former world heavyweight champion um, that has competed in WWE, WCW, and ECW uh, that will be at our show on March 13th. uh, And that is going to be a a big announcement that we'll have coming up. Uh, I think you said this will come out on Friday. Yes, sir. Uh, they'll probably they'll probably see that announcement on our Facebook page on Friday or Saturday. 
Okay. Well, we've also got some li- some listeners that's not from Alabama. Right. Is there anywhere that they can find the show, like on Twitch or YouTube? Uh, yeah, we have a, a YouTube. Uh, look up New Era Wrestling on YouTube, and uh, we we do full shows. Uh, we had our last show was last Saturday on the thirteenth. And that show should be uploaded either tonight or tomorrow. So by the time they listen to this, it'll be on YouTube. They can watch it. James, I appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome anytime on the porch. And we'll catch you later, brother. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for letting me hang out on the porch for a little while. That's all the time we have for this episode. Please like the page and join the group on Facebook at Porch Matters Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or the platform of your choice so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, please rate the show and leave us a review if you have the time. Thank you very much for listening, and catch us next time right here on Porch Matters.